0: Thank you, choir. Church, don't you appreciate our choir? Would you give them a hand? Amen. I tell you what, I love uh, our musicians because they are great road signs to Jesus. I don't sense from their heart that they say, look at me. I sense from their heart they say, look at him. I want you to take your Bible. We'll be in two texts this morning. One will be in Matthew 28, and the other will be in Second Corinthians Uh, Chapter 9 in just a few minutes on this Sunday. That's entitled faith promise Some of you know the drill, you know exactly what faith promise is others You may not know what faith Promise is. and then I think there's a bunch of us in the middle that say okay I've known what faith promise is, but I've heard it so much that it's almost lost its meaning By way of reminder faith promise. It's exactly what it sounds like it's a promise made in faith between you and between me and God. Between an individual and God. Asking God, what would you have me to do this year? Not that I could do in my own strength. Not that I could even do just by sacrificing myself. But God, through sacrificial giving, with your help, what would you have me do to give to your work outside of Grace Point? Outside of Fort Wayne. To your work around the world. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen says... Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Now Today I'm going to talk about World Evangelism Fund a bunch of times, and you may not have heard that as much, or sometimes it's written with the, the letters WEF, World Evangelism Fund, but it's simply the, the global ministry work that the Church of Nazarene engages in in 159 different world areas. Your church, the Church of the Nazarene International, is actively involved all around the globe each and every day of the year. And if you have ever given one dollar at Grace Point, at any point in your life, whether you know it or not, you've been a part of making this ministry possible. A portion of every single dollar that comes in goes to our World Evangelism Fund. and, And our faith promise today is saying, God, what would you have me to do It's a commitment between you and God. It's not between you and and this church. It's not between you and me. It's between you and God asking him, what would you have me do? And because of the faithfulness of people here at Grace Point and people like you around the world, we not only are ministering at 159 world areas, but, but listen to this video clip and see some other things that are taking place.
1: of World Evangelism Fund several missionaries were enabled to come to Africa to a part of my world where they shared the gospel and because of them my grandparents, my parents and me today third generation Nazarene we found the gospel and I have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life and have an opportunity to serve because of world
0: Because of your ministry, not only is Dr. Chombo a part of the body of Christ and a part of the Church of the Nazarene, but we have 687 missionaries with 231 missionary kids who are deployed from 27 world areas. Now that was a statistic. A couple of weeks ago when I was pulling this information, but it's been updated, and so that is what's on the screen, but that's not the truth anymore. It's over 700 missionaries with 231 missionary kids, so we got more missionaries, but not more kids. I guess we need more time for that. And we deployed from 35 different world areas. What that simply means is there's 35 different world areas sending missionaries around the world. Sometimes we, we, we forget and we think, well, it's only the United States that sends missionaries. You know what? We have missionaries that are now being sent from other countries back to the United States in areas that desperately need the gospel of Jesus Christ and the banner waved high. There are 10,824 volunteers who participated in some form of missions this year. Work and Witness is one of those, and, and we have been a part of that here at Grace Point year in and year out. And we are a part of this World Evangelism Fund effort. Churches in global mission areas numbered twenty-nine thousand seven churches. Again, that statistic was true a couple of weeks ago, but the new updated statistics tell us it's closer to thirty thousand churches. That's an increase of three percent. We have two point two six or two and a quarter million members in the Church of the Nazarene, and that's an increase of five percent in these world areas that we've been talking about. And a district, we have 461 districts, that's just a geographical area of a team of Nazarene churches that work together for a common goal. There's 461 of those that have been established around the world with 27,141 pastors ministering across the globe. You are a part of making that mission happen every single week. Five graduate seminaries, 31 undergraduate Bible and theological colleges, 14 liberal arts institutions, two nursing training colleges, one teacher training college. That's over 50 educational institutions that you and I are supporting every time we give and we support World Evangelism Fund. They have a combined enrollment of 50,390 students this last year. But when you give to missions, it's, it's much broader than we think. It impacts more than we think. And it is encompassing way more than what we could ever do by ourselves. People were treated at community-based health clinics, health centers around the world. And there was a great impact of doctors and nurses using their skill sets and training up indigenous leaders to use their newfound skill sets and helping people with health care. We have concentrated efforts in India, Papua New Guinea, and Swaziland, but there are many, many more. There are 235 retired missionaries who have given their life to the mission of Jesus Christ that you are helping support and their pensions, taking care of them as they have been so faithful to take care of the gospel and their service. Listen to another video of what you've been a part of.
2: Because of Nazarene's who have given to the World Evangelism Fund, my wife, Carolyn, and I are alive today because we have a medical insurance that has provided what we needed through the years. Two times we suffered near-fatal situations. One was when my wife gave birth to our second child and suffered severe complications, and then I suffered a near-fatal motorcycle accident. But because of Nazarene's faithfulness in prayer and in giving to the World Evangelism Fund, We have been able to continue to serve God and the Church of the Nazarene.
0: Nazarene Missions International partners with jesus film harvest partners through world evangelism fund which helps provide global infrastructure for this year 471 nazarene jesus film teams now, if you're not familiar with the jesus film this is a it's a very simple and, and just right through the gospel movie about the gospel of jesus christ and the language of those who they are showing it to this year the jesus film teams reported this is unbelievable i had to check it twice it said this year The teams reported 2,838,410 evangelistic contacts. I don't know what you can give to that has that kind of an impact, but it wasn't just a contact. Using the Jesus film and other tools, these contacts produced 697,000, that's Of people who indicated they made a decision for Jesus Christ. And of those who made a decision for Jesus Christ, 463,750, that's 67% of those who made a decision for Christ, had follow-up discipleship initiatives that took place in their life. These teams started 5,432 preaching points this fiscal year. That alone is worthy to be giving to. That alone is worthy of all of our efforts to raise the funds for the gospel mission out there. But that's just one piece of what you are supporting every time you give at Grace Point, every time you give in Faith Promise, supporting our World Evangelism Fund. Nazarene Missions International partnered with World Mission Broadcast, giving approximately 419616 I guess that's not approximate, is it? That, that's what it was to reach these unreached groups in 72 countries, 34 languages, and 140 programs, using every tool we know possible to get the news of Jesus out around the world. Nazarene Missions International partnered with Nazarene Compassionate Ministries to give more than $1.7 million for disaster response and to support 11,000, almost 12,000 children through child development. Churches sent 41,880, 92 crisis care kits and 15,660 school pal packs And we have leadership here in our own church who's helped made possible nazarene disaster response teams Not only with our giving but with our leadership as well We are believers in what god is doing around the world in the church of the nazarene I want to thank you for your impact in the world in this last year, but listen to this video of what you've been a part of that you may not have realized that you helped make possible.
2: The other day I was sitting on a hospital bed looking into the face of a young woman whose husband had cut her leg off with a machete the day before, and in the hospital bed next to us was another young woman who was one of three wives of a man. One of the other wives had stabbed her seven times. And as I shared the hope that could only be found in Jesus, you need to know that you were there. Through WEF, you played a critical role in partnering with us to be able to be there, and maybe also in enabling them to be alive to hear the hope in Jesus by partnering with the Church of the Nazarene at Coojip Hospital to provide hospital doctors, the surgeons, that saved their lives to hear the hope in Jesus, all because of WEF partnering with
0: us. Church, Grace Point has been a part of the global work of Jesus Christ this last year, and if you have given, you have been a part of that this last year. But it wasn't by accident. It didn't just kind of happen. It's not because we are good people in and of ourselves. It's because of a conscious decision to be obedient to what God has put on your heart and on my heart. I don't know if you have a older brother or sister or a younger brother or sister or no siblings, but I want you to go back to that time when you were a child in your home, if you had siblings, and remember that brother-sister relationship, especially the older brother or older sister relationship. It can be a great thing to be a big brother or a big sister, the joys of Discovering when you're an older brother that you can get your sister to do things that she would not do on her own Was a great discovery in my mind. I have a sister who is eight years younger than me And so I got pretty good at taking advantage of the fact that all I had to do was suggest certain things at a certain time And she would do them and it was for great enjoyment for me to watch the outcome of what would take place I found the joy that I could just mention something to my sister, Amy And she would do the stuff that I mentioned because of my influence on her When she was about two and a half years old, my sister loved cheese. It was the Velveeta cheese slices. You know, the ones that you peel back that plastic and, and you could get to that cheese food type thing. She loved them. Whenever you saw her, she would have cheese in her hand. And she loved to play with the cheese as much as eat the cheese. She would often enjoy taking that cheese and sticking it on whatever was around her. And I caught this obsession that she had and I thought we could have some fun with this. I began to discover all I had to do was walk beside her and mention something and she would go, Aha, I'd say Kate or I'd say Kate, I'd say, Amy, look look at this doorknob over here and she'd look at it and she'd get a spark in her eye and she'd take a piece of cheese and she'd stick it on the doorknob. This was great for a 10-year-old brother to discover he could influence his sister to do some things that weren't so good. And and it was great free entertainment for me, and I wouldn't even get in trouble for it. It was awesome. You could always tell where Amy had been because there was cheese residue all throughout the house of what she would stick things on. I remember walking by the family stereo in the living room, and and I would say, look at that stereo. It's pretty nice. Knowing what I was encouraging her to do, I wasn't going to get in trouble for it, but she'd peel off a piece of cheese, and she'd stick it on the glass of that cabinet for the stereo. Look at this wall, Amy. It's it's a beautiful white wall. She'd peel a piece of cheese and stick it right on there. And then later I would see that she'd get in trouble. And as a wonderful older brother with a great influence, I would just sit back and kind of laugh. Until one day, everything changed. One day, Amy began to exercise her own verbal skills. And she discovered that word that every two-and-a-half-year-old discovers on their own at some point. It's the word mind. And she would discover that she could go into my room and find something that I had told her she could play with once, and she would take ownership of it, and she would call it hers. And what was this one-way street of the older brother having a bad influence on his younger sister now was beginning to turn, and, and she would take what no one had taught her, this idea of ownership, and she would take it to a whole new level. She would take my baseball cards, my precious baseball cards, and she would put it in her mouth, and through drool coming down, she would say, oh, mine. And it frustrated me. And it wasn't just getting even. It was something that was deep inside of her. And you know what? There's nothing that unusual about my sister Amy. It's in all of us. Until it peaked one day, Amy went into my room. She found my prized possession, my very first brand new mini boombox cassette player. Double cassettes, A and B. You could record songs off the radio. It was an amazing piece of technology. And Amy had grabbed this, and she took it out, and she not only declared that it was hers, she took her crayola crayons, and she left her mark on it, declaring, it is mine. I don't know if you can think of times in your life where it became evident through your own kids, or your, your brothers, or sisters, or even in yourself, that we go through this stage of ownership, discovering what it is to claim that it is ours. No one has to teach us that. I want you to look at with me look with me at second corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 through 11 i'm going to be reading through the message because i believe this paraphrase helps us see in fresh language what the text is saying to us and as you hold your bible whether it's the niv or, or king james or new king james or nasb you follow along there as well or glance up at the screen and look at this paraphrase let's walk through it together you read silently as i read aloud remember a stingy planter gets a stingy crop a a lavish planter gets a lavish crop i want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give that you will protect that excuse me that will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting god loves it when the giver delights in the giving God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you are ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. As one psalmist put it, he throws caution to the winds, giving to the needy in reckless abandon, his right living, right giving ways, never run out, never wear out. The most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. Don't miss this. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. I want to talk this morning about how giving connects us to God. How giving connects us to God. It reminds us that a stingy farmer gets a stingy crop. That's what this verse is telling us. And a lavish planter gets a lavish crop. John Wesley was credited with giving advice to his people on personal finances by saying this. John Wesley said, earn all that you can. Save all that you can and give all that you can. That, that's pretty good advice that John Wesley would give, but that's not what naturally comes out in each of us And just like a two and a half year old doesn't have to be taught this false idea of ownership just saying mine means that it's mine there is this bent towards evil in all of us that we begin to think things are ours that are not ours the strategy of most christians today is maybe not lined up with what john wesley shared it's more of earn all that you can can Or store all that you get and then sit on the lid. Get as much as you can, store it up, and then guard it with your life. Many good Christians find it difficult to practice generosity. We are trained by the society like an older brother or older sister who points us in the direction of things that they may see for their own interest, but it doesn't have our best interest at heart. They train us to do the exact opposite of being generous. James Emory Wright writes in his book, The Church in Crisis, with the influx of iPhones, and if you have an iPhone, so do I, with the influx of iPads, I have one of those as well, with the influx of iTunes, I have one of those accounts as well, all of that invades the church and causes the operative word to be I, to be me, to be mine. The reality of the world in which we live today is, it's mine, it's what I deserve, I earned it, I worked for it, I will have it, is the attitude not only in the world, but often it creeps into the church. You know what the Bible teaches us, don't you? The Bible teaches us that it is not ours. It is not about me. It's not about you. It's not what you can possess. It's not about what you can gain. It's not about what you can hang on to. It's not about what you deserve. We don't own it. We have been bought with a price. Everything comes from God's hand of blessing. And generosity flows from God Almighty. If you don't believe that, just listen to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. And so when we give, we are connecting to the heart of God because he is the one that has planted in us this call to give. He has led the way. I'm talking about his radical love for us when it comes to a matter of giving. It's this giving of what was most precious to him At the end of verse 7 in the message translation paraphrase it says god loves it when the giver delights in giving We are to give of our worship. Yes, we're to give of our time. Yes and our talents. Yes But we are to give of the resources of the finances that god has entrusted to us Giving not only connects us to god giving is an indicator of our spiritual devotion It's a a thermometer, it's a litmus test of where we are at in our spiritual devotion to say, God, I want to be a part of what you're calling me to do or not. Verse 8 says this, God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. As one psalmist puts it, he throws caution to the winds, giving the... To the needy and reckless, abandon his right living, right giving ways never run out, never wear out. The psalmist was talking about someone who understands what he's been given and recklessly gives in a way that says, "God, this is yours, not mine." God can pour out more blessing over and over again, and we understand that when we give, we can never outgive God. What does generosity do? Generosity it brings life to those who need food and shelter generosity brings help to those who have been violated it it brings hope to those who are lonely It, it enables the church to fill the great commission all those stats that we just went through this is not just some idea for missions this is what took place there are people there are faces and names that are impacted by the gospel of jesus christ because people have been generous with what god has entrusted to them What we have been asked to do today is over the next 12 months together, our faith promise goal is $110,000. And friends, that is not too much to ask. In fact, I think we can blow that away. Because to whom much is given, much is required. The very first missionary sent from the Church of the Nazarene to Africa went to Cape Verde in Africa. And because a missionary went there, a boy by the name of Eugenio Dort found faith in Jesus Christ. Today, Eugenio Dwart not only is a believer in Jesus Christ, but he is a general superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene. And decades ago, Grace Point and Lily Street Church of the Nazarene and Lake Avenue Church of the Nazarene, our history and our predecessors have been faithful to God's call and supporting missions. And, and, and Dr. Dwart is a leader in our church because of giving from people like you and like me. Today, there are over 7,000 Nazarene churches in 42 countries in Africa. They have over a half a million members. It's predicted, and I believe it's going to happen, that there will be more Nazarene members in Africa than in the United States by our next General Assembly. God is doing amazing things, and you can be part of it again. 25 years ago because of alabaster offerings that grace point gave in a church was planted in cali columbia It had a dirt floor with a lean to roof And out of that has grown the largest nazarene church in the world with over 17,000 in worship each and every week Because of the generosity of people like you and me We have nearly almost 500 jesus film teams that we talked about who are showing the film all throughout the world weekend and week out Over the years, since we have partnered with Jesus Film, we have seen 16 million people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And 12,000 Nazarene churches have been planted as a result. God is doing amazing things, and you and I can be a part of it. Giving, you see, it's an act of Christian community. It's not about everybody giving the same amount. It's not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. You know, it's interesting. I... I think a lot of us love the phrase, to whom much is given, much is required, because few of us say, well, I have much. But if we look at the statistics around the world, those who have the least amount of resources in this room, you are of the wealthiest percentage of the world. Friend, you and I, living in the country that we live in, and the the things that we are blessed with, we have been given much And what God is calling us to do, of being in the community of faith, is not to all give the same amount, but to have equal sacrifice. The last few verses from our text this morning says, This most generous God, who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals, is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous. In every way, producing with us great praise to God. Friends, you know, I've discovered that many churches have quit talking about money. Now listen closely. But the world has not stopped talking about money. They've taken over where a lot of churches have been silent. If you don't think so, uh, listen to some thoughts from the book by adam grant called give and take it was nominated for one of the books of the year in a certain category it's about how business people have learned that if they can invest in others they found this mystical thing they don't know what happens if they can invest in others there's this mystical return on their own investment we find donald clifton in his book how full is your bucket Giving this same principle, the same idea, this mystical thing they can't figure out. If I begin to try to fill somebody else's bucket, something happens in the business world to my own bucket. Friends, that sounds a lot like Luke six thirty-eight, where it says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Now, this is what the world is saying, and sometimes they stumble upon God's truths, and they've accidentally experimented with them, and they begin to see that it is, it is profitable, and is true, but often they say things that, that are not even close to what God's truth is saying. Yet the world is not afraid to ask for money. It wasn't too long ago that I went with my family to an off-Broadway play, and uh, I don't know if you enjoy theater, that's not one of my favorite things, but I'm married to someone who loves theater, so therefore, on that night, I chose to love theater. And we went to see Les Miserable*. I kept trying to say Les Miserable*, but though that's how I felt, that's not how you say it. Les Mis. And I went to see this production, and it was a good time with my family. And as we're there, I couldn't help but think I paid over $100 a ticket for this thing. But without apology, as soon as the play was over, they came back to our seats with what looked like an offering basket to me. And they were asking, would you give to those who are impacted by this tragic disease of aids they didn't apologize and they waved the banner loud and strong for a very need that was in the community that they were in in people in our family felt led to give i was at a stoplight not long ago you've been there with me where a fireman has a boot in hand who walks down that traffic lane and asks for you to give to a local charity and i gave I was at PetSmart and I was checking out buying food for our dog Coco and to my frustration twice in one transaction I was asked if I wanted to give to support the animal society and while I wasn't moved to do so my wife was and we gave. I was at my local bicycle shop and they asked me if I wanted to donate money here in Fort Wayne to Neighborhood Link helping those who are in need of housing improvements in Fort Wayne and And I was moved to give you know none of these groups apologize to ask for money They believed in what it was that they were raising funds for friends today I don't apologize one bit for asking you for asking us here at grace point to give to the greatest cause in the universe I'm asking you to give so that people can hear the gospel of jesus christ preached around the world I'm not asking you to give blindly to some entity or some organization that has no track record. You have seen what your giving has done year in and year out. But it's not something that stops. There are people who desperately need to hear Jesus again this year. The greatest act of radical obedience in giving is when we see the Father who gave his one and only son to die on the cross to pay our sin debt. God has been generous with you, friend. He's been generous with me, and he's calling us to be generous in the way we give to his mission. God is doing an amazing work, and we have a choice today if we are going to be part of it. God is calling you to give. It's one person giving their very best. Matched with another person giving their very best matched with another person giving their very best and together We'll find ourselves not just reaching a hundred and ten thousand dollar goal. We will blow that away and give to others Friends, this is one of my favorite things to talk about in giving because I want you to hear me What we give in this category has nothing to do with the local church at grace point When in doubt and I'm not sure what to do, I feel that God has said, do the generous thing. And what is it that God would be laying on your heart to do, to be generous, to give to those who are not in these walls, who are not in our city, but we are supporting the work of Jesus Christ around the world. These four thoughts quickly and I'll be through. Here's the challenge that God has before us today that I feel like he's laid on my heart to give to you. I challenge you, give something out of your personal wealth. You have something in your pocket you have something in your bank account. You have something in your possession You have something that god wants to leverage for his kingdom work. I don't know what it is I don't pretend to be the one to tell you what it is But I challenge you to honor him with it Let him turn the searchlight on to help you see what the most Worthy cause you could give to in the universe is to his Great commission being funded And second, I I challenge you to give something that would cause you to sacrifice. Now, we can give something of our wealth, and it may or may not be something of a sacrifice. What is it that would cause you to choose to pay a price for your giving today? Giving sacrificially means that you are saying no to something else A sacrifice always costs us something of value. For some of us, it may be saying, you know what, I'm going to, for the next 12 months, cut out the Starbucks coffee that I get. And whatever it costs to do that, on a daily basis, I'm going to multiply that out for how many days in the year. And that sacrifice, whether it's big or small for you, some say, that's huge, you don't understand my coffee addiction, that's huge for me. That may be huge. God can leverage that to do something great There's others that God would lay something even greater than just a cup of coffee at your favorite place. He's leveraging us to sacrificially give. But the third thought is this. I can give out of my personal wealth or what it is I feel like I have in possessions. I can even choose to give sacrificially, but I can make a decision to do those in my own strength. It may be something that I have that I choose to give. it may be something that I choose to say no to, that I could leverage that for the kingdom to give, but but could you join God in giving something that would require an inordinate amount of faith in him that 's what a faith promise is. What would cause you to go out on a limb with God, not giving what Brady suggests or not giving what the person next to you suggests, but saying, God, what is it that that on my own? I don't know that this is possible, but God, when I sense you prompting me, I want to be obedient to what you say, not for my own local church, but for your work around the world. Not giving out of what you can handle, but what God must show up in to make it possible. Where is our faith in giving today? And the final ask is to make a commitment to put it in writing. I want everybody here to grab the blue card that's in your bulletin. Every person whether you choose to fill one out or not. I want you to have one in your hand If you don't have one our ushers are going to help us If someone can grab our ushers for me and make sure that they can help us with these If you need one of these cards raise your hand if you didn't get a bulletin you're going to need one raise your hand We'll bring one to you And uh on one side it's in spanish and so if you don't read spanish You need to turn it over like me and turn it over to english And uh, it simply says this your faith promise is not a pledge It's not something that you're going to get a letter about and give you an update on where you're at and you're giving. It's not a pledge. It's a faith promise between you and God. It's a financial promise made by faith that is enabled by God that you will support the world evangelism efforts in the church of the Nazarene. And there's a couple categories in which you can write down there how much you'd want to give each week or how much you want to give each month. Or, or maybe if you do math differently like me, you say, well, this is the amount I'm going to give throughout the course of a year in a one-time gift. You could write that down. And, and you can jot your name down there if you'd like to, to go on record with God, saying, God, this is my, my promise to you. If you would choose not to put your name on there, that's okay. But in a moment, we're going to put these pledge cards in the offering plate. So we can celebrate tonight what God is beginning to lay on our heart for this next year. As you're prayerfully considering what God would have you do, watch this video with me.
1: I am grateful to be part of a missional church that has world evangelism found. It has made it possible for my wife and I to be your missionaries during these past almost 20 years.
2: And as I shared the hope that could only be found in Jesus, you need to know that you were there. So because of WEF,
1: a missionary would come and teach a Sunday school lesson that would change my life.
2: But because of Nazarenes who gave and prayed faithfully, today we are able to continue serving God and the Church of the Nazarene. I thank God for WEF and for everyone who is involved
1: in the mission of the Church through it. Thank you for giving to the World Evangelism Fund.
0: I want to invite you now, as Pastor Edgar plays this instrumental song, to join me in in jotting down what it is that God has put on your heart to give. And in just a moment, we'll have the ushers come. Not yet. In just a moment, we'll have them come. And we'll be able to, as we lift our voice in song, give our faith promise to the Lord. But would you join me now in marking your cards with what you feel God has placed on your heart? Ushers, would you come now? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the rich blessings you've poured out upon us. Lord, as we hear some of the report today of what you have done through the obedience of people like us here at Grace Point, it it blows us away. Of the thousands upon thousands upon thousands who have been reached with your good news, God, would you help us to see that To those who have been so generously blessed, you're calling us to be a part of your work around the world. Thank you, Father, for the heart of generosity that you have planted here at Grace Point. I thank you, Father, for how you're going to enable us, not in our own strength, but through your provision, to give away to others more than we ever have again this year. In your name, Jesus, I ask these things. Amen. Let's give together. Let's lift our voice in song together.